What's going on, Coastal Community Church? How are you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're joining with us today. We have a great day in store for you at every single one of our locations, no matter whether you're in Lighthouse Point or right here on Parkland. If you're at home, I can't really do anything for you. But today... Today is, is Water Baptism Sunday. We got tons of people getting baptized. We already had a lot of people yesterday get baptized. And so uh, it's a great day to be at church. In fact, if, if you're here and you've never taken your next step in your journey of faith by going public with your inward decision that you've made, today is a great day to do that. We're, in fact, even if you're not ready, we're ready for you. We have shorts, we have t-shirts, we've got towels. And so, man, if you've never taken that step or maybe you, you've rededicated your life and you're like, you know what, I, I need to symbolize, I'm going to put the old away and, and come out new. This is a great weekend to do that. And I want to encourage you to take that step. We'll be out there cheering you on, celebrating you. It's going to be an incredible day. And so today what I want to do is I want to finish up our, our series that we've been in called Issues of the Heart. I know we just had Easter, but I, I feel like that there's one last message that is really, really important that we talk about in this series because our heart, man, it, everything in our life flows from our heart. And I think that we need to get better and we need to get healthier when it comes to our heart. And, 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 and I'll explain it a little bit. I didn't even want to do this message, but I just felt like I, I kind of had to. But the interesting thing with our heart is there are a lot of phrases that we use in just our everyday language when it comes to our heart. Like, like we say things like, cross your heart and hope to die. It's kind of a morbid thing if you actually think about it. Like, I, I know I actually don't hope to die. Like, you know, it's, uh, we, we, we say things like, eat your heart out. That sounds like I'm going to a Brazilian steakhouse. That's what, that's what that sounds like to me. I'm going to eat my heart out. Or, or, or we hear things like, follow your hearts. Listen to your hearts. Thank you, 80s songs. Listen, listen to your heart. You know, it's just like... Or, or, or statements like, from the bottom of my heart. Why, why can't it be from the top of your heart? Why has it got to be from the bottom of it? You know, it's, uh, I've had a change of heart. It's all the indecisive people out there, you know. Their heart's always changing. Or how about what you've heard, you have a heart of stone or you have a heart of gold. We're trying to describe the heart to, to pour one's heart out. Is, or, or my heart skipped a beat's. Sounds like you need to go to the cardiologist. You know, that's what it sounds like to me. But all of those phrases are attempts for us to put into words what is going on on the inside of us. Because it's really easy for people to see what's going on on the outside, but it's not as easy for us to articulate and explain and for people to grab hold of what is happening on the inside of us. And, and, and I think that a lot of times we, we're, we're constantly looking at the outside, but we're never really assessing what's going on on the inside. It's only when symptoms show up on the outside do we actually go, ooh, I wonder if there's something bad going on on the inside. Like last year, I, I was going through a season where I was having these random times where I, I would just be somewhere and all of a sudden I would just pass out for no reason. 
Like, I, I, I remember I was in a hotel room, and I woke up on the floor, and I was like, I, I have no idea how I ended up on the floor, or I would just be walking, and I would just, like, everything would just black out, and and, and I remember going to, going to the doctors and going, hey, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any idea. All I know is that there are some symptoms of things that are going on. I have no idea what's going on on the, ins, on the inside of me. Like, we better, we better figure this out. And the problem with, with our culture today is all we do is we constantly look at the outside. And if we can put on a good enough facade, if we can put on a good enough show, if we can, if we can say the right things, then nobody ever really knows what's going on in our heart. But, but God actually says the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but, but the Lord, what he's looking at is he's looking at our heart. He wants to know what's going on in here because everything in our life flows out of our heart. So my question for you today, church, is, is how is your heart doing? And I want to talk to us today about a, an area that I think is so critical to our lives and it's so impactful and it's affecting so many of us in here today. And this aspect of our heart will, will leave us exasperated and hyperventilating and overwhelmed in every part of our life. And it has the potential to impact our heart, but not just our heart, but so many different aspects of our life. And I want to talk to you today about a busy heart. A busy heart. And, and, and let me just be honest and upfront here. I didn't want to talk about this because this is the area that I deal with the most. You know, and, and I don't ever like to get up and, and preach about something that, that I, I haven't conquered and I haven't mastered. And I'm just here to let you know I've not mastered this. This is my, probably one of my greatest struggles when it comes to my heart is dealing with a busy heart. And, and so please give me grace because I'm, I'm gonna talk to you about things that, that like I, 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 it is the personal struggle in my life. And, and what I've found, and let me explain it like this, the joy of owning a home is awesome, but with owning a home also comes some responsibilities. Like I have realized since owning a home that my wife has always got a honeydew list for me. Like there's always a project that she would like to have done. There's always a toilet that needs to be fixed. There's always some landscape that needs to happen. There's, there's always a garage door that's broken. There's always something. And what I've also realized is that, that she is not gonna help in any of those things and that all of those things are my responsibility. Come on, husbands, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, even if you're not handy, the expectation is, is that's your job, you know? And, and so there is always a list that is out there. And so there, the, the, the list in our house has been growing. Like the inside I'm good with, I don't like to work on the outside of the house. Like I, I'm like, I, I, don't, I, I don't live out there so it doesn't matter to me, right? Like I don't, I don't care if the neighbors don't think it looks good. I live inside and it looks great. Come on, that's a true statement right there, right? Like, it's like, I don't care if it's not pleasant to look at from your front driveway. Doesn't matter. Inside, it's amazing. And, uh, and so there's some things on the outside that Shayla wanted done. And she's like, hey, TJ, I need you to, to do some of these things. And, and I remember I just kept telling her, like, I'm busy, babe. I'm busy, babe. I'm busy, babe. And I had the realization the other day that, like nobody actually forced me to be busy. Most of the time, I'm just choosing to be busy in life. 
And if you were to actually assess your life, you would find out that it's probably the same thing for you as well. And to be busy just means to be fully occupied. And, and I wonder how many times we say to God, you know, God, I, I know you wanna spend time with me, but I'm, I'm, I'm just so busy. I, I'm just too overwhelmed. I'm just too focused in, in life on something else. There's a verse out of Proverbs that really hit me last month. It's Proverbs 19, verse 2, and it says, Desire without knowledge is not good. And whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. And I love how this verse starts off with desire because isn't that how everything ends up on our schedule. It, it is based out of a desire. The, uh, the extra project that we take on and put on our schedule is because we desire to have that promotion at work or, or we post a ton on Instagram because we desire for people to like us and to affirm us in life or, or we take on that extra job because we have a desire for some nicer things in life or, or we say yes to every invitation because, because we, we have a desire to be accepted by others and I've just learned that that our desires can come at a higher cost than we have ever anticipated and, and what this verse is telling us is is this is that blind desires they will cause us to miss God's way if we just live with these these blind desires of running after everything we're gonna we're gonna miss out on some things that God wants to do in our heart and, and here's what I know, blind desires will cause us to live with a busy heart. And for some of us, and myself included, we have looked at life and we've gone, man, if I'm busy, that is a badge of honor today. In fact, when people go, how are you doing? You love to answer, man, I'm just so busy. In fact, over the last couple of weeks, because I knew that God was telling me I had to preach this, I was like, I'm not going to use that word. And so I tried to come up with other words to describe my life. And I was like, I'm just so chaotic. <laughs> I was like, ooh, that doesn't sound better. You know, as I started, started throwing some other words in there, I was like, ooh, I'm just so frantic. Okay, that is a... And I think the reason we get that way is because we believe some myths. In fact, I, I wrote a couple down just that I think a lot of us believe, like, when you're busy, you get a lot done. How many of you know that's not necessarily the case? Like, when you're busy, you never let anybody down. Like, when you're busy, you're a role model for your peers. Like, when you're busy, you keep up with all of your responsibilities. Like when you're busy, you're the best spouse you can possibly be. Like when you're busy, you're the most aware and attentive to your children. Like when you're busy, you, you're living up to your highest principles and priorities. Like when you're busy, you're the most effective you can be. We think those things, but then when we hear them out loud, we're like, that is just plain foolishness right there. Because when we hear it out loud, we know that is not true at all. Proverbs 21.5 says this, The plans of the diligent, the steady, the consistent, lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty surely comes to poverty. 
And if you feel like you're at a place where you've been living out of a busy heart, I wanna encourage you that things can change. What you've been getting out of life doesn't have to be what your future holds. And I know some of you are going, well, well, how do I know if I have a diligent heart or a busy heart? Like, how do I differentiate those things? And, and, and let me just explain. A, a busy heart, there's some things that if you have a busy heart, here's what it will do. It will create stress. A busy heart creates stress. Like, you go to Starbucks in the morning and you order your chai latte. And when you're sitting there, like, you're having heart palpitations and, like, you're just stressed in that moment. It's probably because you have a busy heart. A busy heart, what it will do is it will cancel joy in your life. And a lot of you, the only time you seem to experience joy is when you're on a vacation or when you're doing something exciting. But, but when you just get home from a normal day and sit down on the couch next to your spouse or next to your children, there is no joy in your life. It's probably because you're living out of a busy heart. How about this? It crushes productivity and crushes there is not a positive thing. Like you're working harder than you've ever worked. And when you go to the end to look at the results, like you're just, it, the, the results just aren't as proportionate to the amount of work that you're doing. Like there isn't as much fruit as there is efforts. Maybe we are living out of a busy heart. How about this? It corrodes connection. Like if you look at your relationship with your spouse and your close friends and your kids and you have less time for meaningful relationships in your life and they're suffering, it's probably an indication that you're living out of a busy heart. And the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I have the right to do anything. He says, but... Not everything is beneficial. Like, like, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Like, we have the right to, to be busy and we have the right to go after all of these things, but just because you can do everything, just because you can try everything, doesn't actually mean that we should be because the, the more I know is the more that I try to do, the less open I am to hearing the still small voice of the Lord. Like the more things I pack into my schedule, the less quiet time there is for me to distinguish between God's voice and all the noise of this world. And I think a lot of us, we're going through life and because we're so packed full and we've got so much jammed in our schedule, we have no margin for the voice of the Lord. And I would just ask you, like, when is the last time that you opened up your Bible and heard God speak to you? Like, when is the last time you were driving down the road and you heard the voice of the Holy Spirit guide you in a direction? Because if you're not hearing that, it's probably because you've got a busy heart. And so many of us, we are going just so fast in life. And in, in our speed of life, it is causing us to miss so many God moments. I'll never forget, I was 16 years old. I'd, I'd got my first car. My parents were divorced. And so my dad lived in, in the Fort Myers, Naples area. And uh, my mom and my stepdad lived in the Brayden and Sarasota area. And I was going down to visit my dad. It's about an hour and a half drive from where my mom lived to my dad's house. And, and so I was heading down 
I-75 to, to go meet my dad. It was his birthday. My grandparents were driving down from the Sarasota area as well. And, and, and as I was driving, apparently, as a 16-year-old, I, I passed my grandparents on, on I-75. And, uh, and, and, and come to find out that, that when I passed my grandparents, they, they saw me and they recognized me. And so my grandfather tried to catch up with me. And uh, my grandfather was unable to catch up with me. Uh, in fact, they, they said I was going so fast that they, they gave up and they stopped and they ate at Cracker Barrel. And, and when, they, when they were in the Cracker Barrel, they, they found this sign that they bought me and it said, don't drive faster than your guardian angel can fly. And so when they got to the house, uh, they, they're like, hey, TJ, uh, you, you were driving pretty fast. I was like, no, I was just going with the flow of traffic, you know, the flow. Of tra- Come on, that's what you say, right, when you're a teenager? I was just going with the flow of traffic. And they're like, well, that flow was, was, was a lot faster than our flow because we couldn't keep up with you. And, 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 and I've just learned that, that, listen, don't increase the pace, your pace, because of another person's speed. A lot of us, we're trying to run at paces that we were never designed to run at. Like you didn't have the same upbringing. You didn't have the same background. You don't have the same uh, uh, personality type. And, and what we're doing is we're trying to run at a pace. We're trying to run at a speed. And that is a speed that maybe is okay for them, but it will crush you. And a lot of us are trying to keep up with other people where God never designed us to be somebody else. He actually designed us to be unique and perfect in the way that he made us. And so don't increase your speed because of another person's speed. See, God didn't create you and I to live busy. He didn't create us that way. So the hope is is that today you would realize that that you need to slow down a little bit and get into a pace that is sufficient with God's grace for your life. And so what do we do when we have a busy heart? I want to give you three things here today really, really quick. The first one is this, is I think when we have a busy heart, number one, we need to simplify. Simplify. It's so important for us to simplify in our world of busy. It's a difficult thing to do, but yet it's so, so important. A.W. Tozer said this, he said, distractions must be conquered or they will conquer us. So let us cultivate simplicity. Let us walk in the spirit. Distractions must be conquered or they will conquer us. All those things that are trying to get on your calendar, that you're trying to get on your schedule, man, a lot of those things are distractions. And what that means is that we've got to conquer them. But then he says, let us cultivate simplicity. That word cultivate there is, is, is not an easy word. It's not an instantaneous thing. It, it's something that is going to take some time to develop. Like there is actually some, a, a process involved in it taking place. And you have to cultivate simplicity and that is not easy and I think part of the reason it's not easy for us is because you and I we struggle with this idea of being content like we are always striving for more the apostle Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter 4 I'm not saying this because I'm in need For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Think about this. The guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament 
if he had to learn how to be content, it's probably something you and I are going to have to learn as well. Like it is, it, is a, it is a habit, it is a process that we have got to learn. So how do we practically do that? Here's what it is. You got to learn to say no. You got to learn to say no. And listen, it's just difficult for us in today's day and age and culture to say no. But unless you learn how to say no, you will never end up simplifying your life. Now, I get it. Some of you don't like to disappoint anyone. So instead of, instead of saying no, somebody will go, hey, hey, let's go, let's go out to eat after church today. And, 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 and what you'll do is in, instead of going, well, I already have something I have to do. And so I should just say no. What you'll do instead is you'll go, oh, let me check my schedule. Or, or, or maybe let me get back to you on that thing. And, and, and what you have to do is then you have to circle back and rehash that conversation and eventually say no to them when right away you could have just said no. Like it's not that hard. I, I get it. You feel uncomfortable letting people down and things down, but, but I want to help you out today. I want to give you some no training today. And so I'm going to read some statements. And at the end of that statement, I just need you to yell out no. Okay. Okay. Here it is. Do you want to eat at Long John Silver's today? No. If you actually answered yes, we have prayer in the hub right after, right after church. Do you want to train for a triathlon with me? No. Do you want to get in this multi-level marketing business with me? No. Do you want to help me move? No. <laughs> you guys are getting good. Now, now, we're getting some, now we're getting somewhere, right? Like, what? <laughs> it's hard for us to stay simple. Because it's hard for us to stay still. And God's going, man, sometimes you just got to say no. So there can be some stillness. I wrote it down like this. God didn't call us to say yes to everything and everyone. He called us to say yes to him. And what's helped me over the years is, and Shayla tells me this all the time. If you say yes to that good thing, you're probably going to be saying no to the greater thing. And a lot of us, we're saying yes to good things. And there's nothing wrong with good things. We're just missing out on the greater thing. This week, I got the opportunity to uh, go to Go play golf for a couple holes with Jack Nicholas. If, if you know who that is, he's the greatest golfer of all time. 18 major championships. And I got to eat dinner at his house on, on Thursday night. And he was, it, it was one of the most amazing experiences. He's 83 years old. He's, he's not super healthy right now. So this is one of the last times he's gonna, he had a group of us uh, over to his house. And, and he was showing us his office where all the major championships are, all the, the awards, the, you know, Congressional Medal of Honor, all these awards that are just like ESPYs, Lifetime Achievement Awards. Like every award on the face of the earth is sitting there in this office. And I'm asking him questions and he can't tell me a single thing about any of these awards. Like he's like, I'm like, hey, what, what was this for? He's like, I don't know. 
dead serious. Like, I would be able to tell you every single thing about, like, I'm like, oh, that was for the lifetime achievement. Like, I would know. And then we walked into his little guest house that has this other, he calls it his trophy room. And it's all these trophies of experiences that he's had with his kids. And he could tell me every single moment, every place that they were, what happened, how it took place, and why it was so significant in life. And then he talked about, I could have won so many more golf tournaments, but I chose to say no to golf and yes to my kids and my family. Because he learned very early what was the good thing and what was the great thing. And oftentimes that money and the open door and the opportunity that we're so running after aren't worth the moments that we'll miss out on in the long run. Like it isn't a good trade. We need to simplify and say no. Number two, we gotta slow down. We gotta slow down. Tell your neighbor, slow down. So here's my question for you. When is the last time you drove the speed limit? <laughs> now, let me define that a little bit. I'm not talking about you were in a school zone. I'm not talking about there was a cop in the area. I'm not talking about the speed limit was 45 and you were going 50, so you were going the speed limit. I'm talking about when is the last time that you drove the speed limit or below intentionally? Because I think it's crazy because you live a lot of times how you drive. And I think a lot of us, we're living some fast. Sometimes people would call it you're driving crazy or erratic or dangerous. At least those are the words that Shayla describes my driving with. <laughs> a lot of times unnecessary. And what happens is if we don't slow down, we'll miss out on important moments in life. So I want to encourage you today. Don't, don't rush into moving in with that, that person. No, no, no. Take your time, slow down and do it God's way and get married first and then move in with that person. Like don't rush into that, that new home with that mortgage. No, no, no. Take a step back, slow down, check out your budget, make sure there's some margin in it because there's going to be a lot of honey-do lists that cost a lot of money. Like, like don't rush into that relationship. Ask yourself, how is your relationship with God? And if my relationship with God isn't good, my relationship over here probably isn't going to end up real good. Like, don't rush into that new job. Why don't you pray first and actually see if that's God's will for your life or just another opportunity out there that will get you off track. Like, don't rush into that making that big decision. Just slow down. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. That means that there's a time to go fast, but there's also a time to slow down. There's a time for you to take a step back and, and celebrate and remember and take advantage of. And, and I've struggled with this my entire life because as soon as I accomplish something, like I don't ever celebrate that, I move on to the next thing. It's, it's what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next? And I've missed out on so many moments 
Then other people are like, oh, don't you remember? And I don't because I was so busy rushing ahead because I would never slow down. In fact, Ecclesiastes 4.6 says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And if you're living with a busy heart, man, it just feels like you're striving after the wind. Like, and every time you get close, it just slips right out of your hand. I, I read this quote by Napoleon Bonaparte a long time ago. It says, he said, dress me slowly because I'm in a hurry. Sometimes the fastest way to get places is to slow down. So how do we practically do that? Man, we've got to select a Sabbath. We've got to select a Sabbath. Simply a day of Rest. Sabbath mean, literally means to cease increase. And it isn't just a suggestion, it's actually a commandment. The day off wasn't our idea, it was actually God's idea. And he created us because he knew that, that work could get in our way of our relationship with him. And he knew that if we didn't cease from work, that work would eventually cease us. Like that it would impact us. In fact, he knew that it might become even an idol in our life. In fact, he was so serious about this. He modeled it for us. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. What did he do? And then he blessed the Sabbath and he made it holy. A lot of people are like, well, God's just trying to keep me from something. No, no, no. God's not trying to keep you from something. God's commandments aren't to punish us. They're actually to protect us. To protect us from ourselves because we will kill ourselves in the pursuit of things. Like, if you don't take a break, this life will break you. And so there have got to be some moments that we've got to slow down and we've got to enjoy life and we've got to savor life and we've got to celebrate life. And here's what I can guarantee is that when you honor the Sabbath, God blesses that. He, he, he made that holy unto himself. And I get it, that's hard for us. I, I understand I'm an Enneagram 8. My personality is, is I want to win and I want to win at any cost. And so that will drive me to do crazy, crazy things that I shouldn't do. But I have to remember that God created the entirety of the world and was still able to take a day off. I should take a day off too. Number three, you gotta seek God. You have to seek God. Throughout this whole series, we've talked about a bitter heart, a broken heart, a bewildered heart, and a busy heart. And I think the key to healing all of these issues in our life is to simply seek God. And I think what happens in life is we're so busy rushing around and trying to get to this next level or catch up to that person that's a little bit further ahead that, that it causes us just to increase and increase and increase. And we get so rushing, rushing, rushing that we get in this vicious cycle where we're just constantly rushing through this life. And, and, and I've realized that in all the rushing, I never accomplish more. 
And all the rushing, I, I, I never achieve more. And in fact, in, in my greatest efforts, there's a lot of things that I can't do. But here's what I've realized. When I take a step back and I begin to honor God and I go, you know what? I'm not going to live with a busy heart, but I'm going to live with a healthy heart. And I'm going to simplify some things and I'm going I'm, I'm to slow down. Here, here's what happens. Where I cannot, God can. Where I cannot open up that door, God can. Where I cannot solve that problem, God can. Where, 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 where the doctors can't figure out that diagnosis, God can. But if I never take my hand from the plow and seek after my own desires, then I never get the opportunity to seek after God's desires. Sometimes you have to realize that there are some limitations to me. But there are no limitations to our God, and so I'm going to depend on him. In fact, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not seek your desires, not seek your effort, not seek what you want. Seek him. Then all those things that we've been seeking, well, number one, he'll begin to change our desires. Because a lot of things that we desire aren't actually things that he wants for our lives. And so when we seek him, he begins to change us. Then he begins to give us the desires of our heart. Because our heart's desires are now aligned with his desires. So what's the practical step on this? It's simply prioritize time with God daily. Because here's what I've realized. There are certain things in your life you just can't go without. For some of you, it's that chai latte at Starbucks every day. You just can't do without it. For others uh, uh, of you, uh, maybe, maybe for you, it's that workout or it's that CrossFit class or it's that yoga session. Like, you, like your day is not complete unless you accomplish that. Like for some of you, it's, it's like lunch. You're like, I can't go today without eating lunch, Shayla. <laughs> but what if? You couldn't imagine that your day was complete without you spending time with God daily. Like, what if it was like, man, I, I, I couldn't imagine not spending some time in prayer. I couldn't imagine not spending some time in, in worship. Like, I couldn't imagine not doing that. And I know some of you are like, well, but TJ, my schedule is so packed. Here's what I would tell you. Time with God is never time wasted. Because it's in those moments that I spend in prayer that, that God begins to give me the answer to that problem that I'm dealing with. It's those times in prayer that I begin to get the direction and insight. It's those times that I get into his word that he begins to show me how to heal the brokenness in my marriage. It's when I get into his word that he starts to give me wisdom and how to steward my finances. It's when I spend time with him, all the decisions of my life get so much clearer and so much easier because his word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. And, and like all of a sudden, all of a sudden, God begins to illuminate the things that I couldn't see on my own because I decided to put him first in my life and say, God, you're my ultimate. You're my priority. I'm going to seek you. And I just decided, church, a long time ago that I was going to live by principles and not by pressure. And my prayer for you today is that you would live by the principle of seeking God first because desire without knowledge, without the wisdom of God, is not good. And whoever makes haste with his feet, misses his way. 
And maybe you're here today and you're at a place where you're living out of a busy heart. And I'm just here to tell you God can and God wants to change that so you're not living with stress. You're not having your joy canceled so you're not having relationships corroded but you're living in the fullness of who he is. But it starts with you putting him first. And maybe you're here today whether you're at Lighthouse Point or right here in Parkland it's going to be really hard for you to put him first daily if you've never put him first and foremost in your life. Where you've never surrendered your will and your way to a God that loved you so much that he gave the greatest gift to you, the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. That he wouldn't want any of us to perish, but all of us to experience everlasting life. And Jesus actually said a life to the full. That doesn't mean a full schedule. That means a life that's full of God leading and guiding and directing you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe that's you here today. You need to experience that life for the first time or the first time in a long time. If you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray a simple yet significant prayer of surrender to God with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. Yes, I see you back there. Thank you. Two. Yes, three. Thank you. Yes, four. Thank you. Anybody else? Lighthouse Point. Online, right there in your house. If you'll pray this prayer in your heart as I pray to God, say, God, thank you for giving the greatest gift you could ever give, the gift of your son, Jesus, who came to this earth and paid the ultimate price, the price of my sin and my shame and my desires that caused me to get off track and end up with a busy heart. I ask you to forgive me of my past change my present and secure my future through your death, burial, and resurrection. I ask you to come into my heart and come into my life and take over. I surrender my will and my way. Fill me with all of the good things that you have to give. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mercy. Thank you for loving me. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Everybody said amen.